Ashley, Brock, reading Diana Palmer's book, Leo, Chapter 2. Janie was sure she hadn't heard him say that, but he was still smiling. She smiled back. She felt pretty. No makeup, no shoes, disheveled. And Leo had kissed her anyway. She beamed. At least she beamed until she remembered the heart brain. Red mania. Any of them would do anything for a biscuit. Did I have extend to homemade rolls? You're looking suspicious, he pointed out. A man who kidnapped a poor little pastry chef might do anything for a homemade roll, she reminded him. Yeah, Hetty makes wonderful rolls, he had to make. Oh, you? She hit him gently and laughed. He was impossible. Okay, you can come to supper. You're a nice girl. Nice. Well, at least you liked her. It was a start. Didn't occur to her then that a man who was seriously interested in her wouldn't think of her as just nice. Hetty came back into the room, still oblivious to the undercurrents, got out a plastic roll. She filled it with English peas from the crisper. All right, my girl, sit down here at Shelby's. You staying? She asked him. She said I could, he told Hetty. Then you can go away while we get it cooked. I'll visit my bull. Fred's got him in the pasture. Leo didn't say another word, but the look he gave Janie became... Before he left, the kitchen was positively wicked, but if she thought the little interlude had made any permanent difference in her relationship with Leo, Janie was doomed to disappointment. He came to supper, but he spent the whole time talking genetic reading with Fred, and although he was polite to Janie, she might as well have been on the moon. He didn't stay long after supper either, making his excuses and praising Hetty for her wonderful cooking. He smiled at Janie, but not the way he had when they were alone in the kitchen. It was, if, it was if he'd put the kisses out of his mind forever and expected her to act as if he'd never touched her. It was disheartening. It was heartbreaking. It was just like old times, except that now Leo had kissed her and she wanted him to do it again. Judging by his attitude over supper, she had a better chance of landing a movie role. She spent the next few weeks remembering Leo's hungry kisses and aching for more of them. When she wasn't daydreaming, she was practicing baking. Biscuit making. Hetty muttered about the amount of flour she was wanting. Janie, you're going to bankrupt with us in the kitchen, the older woman moaned, when Janie's fifth batch of biscuits came out looking like skeet pigeons. That's your second bag of flour today. Janie was glaring out of her latest effort on the baking sheet. Something's wrong, and I can't decide what. I mean, I put in salt and baking powder just like the recipe said. Hetty picked up the empty flour bag and read the label. Janie, darling, you bought self-rising flour. Yes, so? She asked the blue If it's self-rising, it already has the salt and baking powder in it, doesn't it? Janie burst out laughing. So that's why I'm doing wrong. Hand me another bag of flour, could you? This is the last one, Hetty said mournfully. No problem. I'll just drive to the store and get some more. Need anything? Milk and eggs, Hetty said at once. We've got four chickens, Janie explained to her. And you have to buy eggs? The chickens are molting. Janie smiled. And when they molt, they don't lay. Sorry, I forgot. I'll be back in Jiffy. She had a peeling off her apron. She paused just long enough to brush her hair out, leaving it long, and put on a little makeup. She thrust her arms into her nice French leather jacket because it was seasonally cool outside, as well as raining, and popped into her red sports car. You never could tell when... You might run into Leo because he frequently dashed into the supermarket for frozen biscuits and butter when he was between cooks. Sure enough, as she started for the checkout counter with the milk, eggs, and flour, she spotted Leo. 
Head and shoulders above most of the men present, he was wearing that long brown Australian drover's coat cover coat he favored in wet weather, and he was smiling in a funny sort of way. That was when Janie noticed his companion, who was bending down toward a pretty little brunette who was chatting away at his side. Janie frowned because that dark wavy hair was familiar, then she realized who it was. Leah was talking to Marlene Morgan. She relaxed. Marlene was her friend. Surely she was talking her up to Leah. She almost rushed forward to say hello, but what if she interrupted it at a crucial moment? There was, after all, the annual Jacobsville Cattlemen's Ball in two weeks, the Saturday before Thanksgiving. It was very likely that Marlene was dropping hints right and left that Janie would love Leo to escort her. She chuckled to herself. She was lucky to have a friend like Marlene. Janie had known what Marlene was actually saying to Leo. She might have changed her mind about the other woman's friendship and a lot of other things. It was so nice of you to drive me to the store, Leo. Marlene was cooing at Leo as they walked out. My wrist is really sore from that fall I took. No problem, he murmured with a smile. The cattleman's ball is week after next, Marlene added coldly. I would really love to go, but nobody's asked me. I won't be able to drive by then either, I'm sure. It was a bad spray. It took almost as long as a broken bone to heal. She glanced up at him, weighing her chances. Of course, Janie told everybody that you're taking her. She said you're over there all the time now. It's just a matter of time before you buy her a ring. Everybody knows. The scrout, firstly. It only kissed Janie. He hadn't proposed marriage. For God's sake, surely the girl wasn't going to get possessive because of a kiss. He hated gossip, especially about himself. Well, Janie could forget an invitation of that sort. He didn't like an aggressive woman. He told lies around town. Not one bit. You can go with me, he told Marlene nonchalantly. Despite what Janie told you, I am no woman's property, and I'm damned sure not booked for the dance. Marlene beamed. Thanks, Leo. He shrugged. She was pretty, and he liked her company. She wasn't one of those women who felt the need to constantly compete with men. He'd made his opinion about that pretty clear to Marlene in recent weeks. It occurred to him that Janie was suddenly trying to do just that. What with calf roping and ranch work and hard riding, odd, when she'd never shown any such inclination, inclination before. But her self-assured talk about being his date for the ball set him off and stopped his mind from further reasoning about her sudden change of attitude. Smiled down at Marlin. Thanks for telling me about the gossip, he added. Best way to curb it is to disprove it in publicly. Of course it is. You mustn't blame Jamie too much, she added with just the right amount of affection. She's very young. Compared to me, I mean, if we haven't been neighbors, we probably wouldn't be friends at all. She seems so, well, so juvenile at times, doesn't she? Leo frowned. He'd forgotten that Marlene was older than Janie. He got back to those hard, hungry kisses shared with Janie and could have cursed himself for his weakness. She was immature. She was building a whole affair on a kiss or two. Then he remembered something unexpectedly. He glanced down at Marlene. He said she had more boyfriends than anybody else in town. Marlene clears up. Well, yes, boyfriends, not men friends, though. She added, covering her Faces. It was hard to make Janie look juvenile if she was also a heartbreaking rounder. Little felt placid. God knew why. There's a difference. Marlene agreed. A tiny voice in her mind chimed her for being so mean to her best friend. But Leah was a real hunk, and she was as infatuated with him as Janie was. 
All was fair in love and war, didn't they say? Besides, it was highly unlikely that Leah would ever ask Janie out. But just in case, Marlene had planted a nice little suspicion in his mind to prevent that. She smiled as she walked beside him, two-struck, dreaming of the first of many dances and being in Leo's arms. One day, she thought ecstatically, he might even want to marry her. Janie went through two more bags of flour with attempts at biscuits became better with each failed try. Finally, after several days' work, she had produced an edible batch that impressed even Hetty. And between cooking, she was getting much better on horseback. Now, mounted on her black and white quarter horse, Blackie, she could cut out a calf and drive it into the makeshift coral used for doctoring sick animals. She could throw a calf, too, with something like professionalism. Despite, despite some sore muscles and frequent bruises, she could rope after a fashion, and she was riding better all the time. At least the chafing of her thighs against the saddle had stopped, and the muscles had accumulated to the new stress being placed on them. Saturday night, and it was only four days until the cattleman's ball, she had a beautiful spaghetti strap, lacy, oyster white dress to wear, came to her ankles and was low cut in front, leaving the creamy skin of her shoulders bare. It was a side slit that went up her thigh, exposing her beautiful long legs. She paired the dress with white spiked high heels, sporting ankle straps, which she thought were extremely sexy. She had a black velvet coat with a white silk lining to defend against the cold evening air. Now all she liked was a date. She expected Leo to ask her to the ball after those hungry kisses, despite his coolness later that day, but he hadn't been near the ranch since. He'd had supper with her. He'd had supper with her and her father. What made it even more peculiar was that he talked with her father out on the ranch several times. Just didn't come to the house. Janie assumed that he was regretting those hard kisses and was afraid that she was taking him too seriously. He was avoiding her. He couldn't have made it plainer. That made it a pretty good bet that he wasn't planning to take her to any cattleman's ball. She told Marlene in desperation. The other woman sounded uneasy when she heard Janie's voice. She was quick to ask why Janie had phoned. I saw you with Leo in the grocery store a week before last, Janie began, and I didn't interfere because I was sure you were trying to talk him into taking me to the ball. But he didn't want to, did he? She added sadly. There was a sound like someone swallowing on the other end of the phone. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Marlene sounded as if she was struggling on words. Don't feel bad, Janie said gently. That's not your fault. You're my best friend in the whole world. I know you try. Janie, I had this beautiful red dress that I bought specifically. Janie, I don't know. Well, that's that. Are you going? There was a tense spot. Yes. Good. Anybody I know? No, Marlene said. You have fun. You uh, aren't going, are you? Marlene added. Her friend certainly was acting funny. Janie thought. No, I don't have a date. Janie chuckled. There'll be other dances, I guess. Maybe Leo will ask me another time. After he's got over being afraid of me, she added silently. If you see him, she said quietly, you might mention that I can now cut out cattle and throw a calf, and I can make a biscuit that doesn't go through the floor when drops. She was laughing, but Marlene didn't. I have to get to the hairdresser, Janie, Marlene said. I'm really sorry about the ball. Not your fault, Janie repeated. Just have enough fun for both of us, okay? Okay, see ya. The line went dead, and Janie frowned. Something must be very wrong with Marlene. 
She wished she'd been more persistent and asked what was the matter. Well, she'd go over to Marlene's house after the dance to pump her for all the latest gossip, and then she could find out what was troubling her friend. She put the ball to the back of her mind, despite the disappointment, and went out to greet her father as he rode in from the pasture with two of his men, swung out of the saddle at the barn and grinned at him. Just the girl I wanted to see, he said at once, and pulled out his wallet. I've got to have some more wool work gloves. Just tore the last pair. Had an apart, had an apart on bob wire. How about going by the hardware store? Get me another pair of those suede plain palm ones. Extra large. My pleasure. Janie said at once. Leonoff then went to the hardware store, and she might accidentally run into him there. Be back in a jiffy. Don't speed, her father called to her. She only chuckled, diving into her sports car. She remembered belatedly that she didn't have either purse or car keys or her face fixed and jumped right back out again to rectify those emissions. Ten minutes later, she was parking her car in front of the Jacobsville hardware store with a wildly beating heart. She noticed one of the black double-capped heart ranch trucks parking nearby. Leo! She was certain it was Leo. With a heart pounding, she checked her makeup in the rearview mirror, tugged her hair gently away from her cheeks. She left it down today, deliberately, knowing that Leo had something of a weakness for her long hair. It was thick and clean, shining like soft brown curtain. She was wearing a long beige skirt with riding boots and a gold satin blouse. She looked pretty good, even if she did say so herself. Now, Leo would just notice her. <sighs> She walked into the hardware store with her breath catching in her throat as she anticipated Leo's big smile at her approach. He was the handsomest of the heart boys, and really the most personable. He was kind. He was kindness itself. She remembered his soft voice in her kitchen, asking what was wrong. Oh, to have that soft voice in her ear forever. There was nobody at the counter. That was unusual. That wasn't unusual. The clerks were probably waiting on customers. Walked back to where the gloves were, Captain suddenly heard Leo's deep voice on the other side of the high aisle, unseen. Don't forget to add that roll of hog wire to the order. Please tell one of the clerks. I won't forget, Joe Holland's pleasant voice replied. Are you going to the Cattleman's Ball? Joe added, just as Janie was about to raise her voice and call to Leo over the aisle. I guess I am, he replied. I didn't plan to, but I got a pretty friend needing a ride, and I'm obliging. Janie's heart skipped and fell flat. Leo already had a date. Who? Smoothed around the aisle inside of Leo and Joe. Leo had his back to her, but Joe noticed her and smiled. That friend wouldn't be Janie Brewster by any chance? Joe teased loudly. The question made Leo unreasonably answer. Listen, just because she caught the bouquet at Misha Steele's wedding, it's no reason to start linking her with me, said Jordan. She may have a good family background. She may be easy on the eye. She may even learn to cook someday. Miracles still happen, but no matter what she does or how well she is, or how well she's never going to appeal to me as a woman. Yeah, having her spread and looter gossip about our relationship all over town. It's making her any more, it isn't making her any more attractive to me either. It's a dead turnoff. Janie felt a shock like an electric jolt go through her. She couldn't even move for the pain. Joe, horrified, opened his mouth to speak. Leo made a rough gesture with one lean hand, burning with pent-up anger. She looks like the rough side of a 
corn cob lately anyway. Leo continued warming to the subject. The only thing she ever had going for her were her looks. When she spent the last few weeks covered in mud or dust or bread flour, she, she's out all hours proving she can compete with any man on the place, and she can't stop bragging about what a great catch she made, she made with me. She's already told half the town that I'm a kiss short of buying her an engagement ring, that is. When she isn't pulling it around that I'm taking her to the cattleman's ball. When I haven't even damn well asked her, well, she's got her eye on the wrong man. I don't want some half-baked kid with a figure like a boy and an eagle the size of my boots. Wouldn't have Janie Brewster for a wife if she came complete with a stable of purebred Sarah Bull. And that's saying something. She makes me sick to my stomach. Joe had gone pale, and he was grimacing. Curious, Leo turned, and there was Janie Brewster staring at him down the aisle with a face as tragic as if he'd just taken a willing knife to her heart. Janie, he said so, took a deep breath, studying breath, and managed to drag her eyes away from his face. Hi, Joe, she said with a worn little smile. Her voice sounded choked. She couldn't possibly look for gloves. She had to just wanted to check and see if you'd gotten in that tack dad ordered last week, she improvised. Not just yet, Janie. Joe told her and jumped on. I'm really sorry. No problem, no problem at all. Thanks, Joe. Hello, Mr. Hart, she said without reading Leo's eyes. She even managed to smile through her tattered dignity. Nice day out, isn't it? Looks like we might even get that rain we need so badly. See you. She went out the door with her head high, as proudly as a conquering army, leaving Leo sick to his stomach for real. Why the hell? Then you say something, Leo said, asked Joe first. Didn't know how, Joe replied miserably. How long has she been standing there? Leo this is the whole time, Leo came to dread but she heard every word heard. As if to punctuate the statement from outside, came the sudden, rare squeal of tires on pavement as Janie took off toward the highway in a burst of speed. She was driving a little sports car, and Leo's heart stopped. As he realized how upset she was, he jerked the cell phone out of his pocket and dialed the police mark. Zach Ryer, he said at once when the call was answered, recognizing Jacobsville new assistant police chief's viewpoint. Listen, Jenny Brewster just let out of town like a scalded cat in her sports car. She's upset and it's my fault, but she could kill herself. Have you got somebody out in the, on the Victoria Road who could pull her over and give her a warning? Yeah, thanks, Ryer. I owe you one. He hung up, cursing harshly on her but She'll be spitting fire if anybody tells her I sent the police after her, but I can't let her get hurt. Thought she looked just a mite too calm when she walked out the door. Joe made it, glanced at Leon Grimms. No secret around town that she's been sweet on you for the past year or so. If she was, I've just cured her, Leo said and felt his heart sink. Call me when that order comes in, will you? Sure thing. Leo climbed into his truck, just sat there for a minute, getting his bearings. He could only imagine how Janie felt right now. What he said was cruel. He let his other irritations burst out, as if Janie were to blame for them all. What Marlene had been telling him about Janie had finally bubbled over. That was all. She never done anything to hurt him before. Her only crime, there was one, was thinking the moon rose and set on Leo Hart and taking too much for granted. On the basis of one long kiss, he laughed hollowly. Chances were good that she wouldn't be thinking it after this. Part of him couldn't help blaming her. 
but she'd gone around bragging about how he was going to marry her and how lucky he was to have a girl like her in his life, not to mention telling everybody he was taking her to the cattleman's ball. But Jenny had never been one to brag about her accomplishments or chase men. The only time she tried to vamp Leo, in fact, had been in her own home when her father was present. She never come on to him when they were alone or away from her home. She'd been old-fashioned in her attitudes, probably due to the strict way she'd been raised. So why should she suddenly depart from her lifestyle habits and start spreading gossip about Leo all over Jacobsville? He remembered at least once when she stopped another woman from talking about a girl in trouble, adding that she hated gossip because it was like spreading poison, whipped his sweaty brow with the sleeve of his shirt and put his hat on the seat beside him. Hated what he said. Maybe he didn't want Janie to get any ideas about him in a serious way, but there would have been kinder methods of accomplishing it. He didn't think he was ever going to forget the look on her face when she heard what he was saying to Joe. It would haunt him forever. Meanwhile, Janie was setting new speed records out of the Victorian Road. She already missed the turnoff that led back toward Jacobsville in her father's ring. She was seething, hurting, miserable, and confused. How could Leo think such things about her? She never told anybody how she felt about him, except Marlene. She hadn't been spreading gossip. She hated gossip. Why did he know so little about her when they'd known each other for years? What hurt the most was that he obviously believed those lies about her. She wondered who could have told him such a thing. Her thoughts went at once to Marlene, but she chimed herself for thinking ill of her only friend, her best friend. Certainly it had to be an enemy who'd been filling Leo's head full of lies, but... She didn't have any enemies that she knew of. Tears were blurring her eyes. She knew she was going too fast. She should slow down before she wrecked the car or ran into a fence. She was just thinking about that when she heard sirens and saw blue lights in her rearview mirror. Great, she thought. Just what I need. I'm going to be arrested and I'll spend the night in the local jail. She stopped and rolled down her window, trying unobtrusively to wipe away the tears while waiting for the uniform officer to bend down and speak to her. He came as a surprise. It wasn't a patrolman, she knew, and she knew most of them by sight at least. This one had black eyes and thick black hair, which he wore in a ponytail. He had no nonsense look about him, and he was wearing a badge that denoted him as the assistant chief. Miss Brewster? Yes, right. Yes? I'm Cash Grier. He introduced himself. I'm the new assistant police chief here. Nice to meet you, she said with a water smile. Sorry, it has to be under these circumstances. She held out both wrists and Want I handcuff me? He pursed his lips, and his black eyes twinkled unexpectedly. Didn't look like a man who knew what humor was. Isn't that a little kinky for a conversation? What sort of man men are you used to? She hesitated for just a second before she burst out laughing. It wasn't at all the man he appeared to be. She put her hands up. I was speeding, she reminded him. Yes, you were. Since you don't have a rap sheet, you can have a warning just this once. He had a friend. Speed limit is posted. It's 50 on all country roads. He peered up at him. This is a country road? She emphasized, which meant that he was out of his enforcement area, nodding at him. And you're right. I don't have any jurisdiction out here. So that's why you're getting a warning and a smile. A smile face. In town, you'll get a ticket and a heavy scrap. Remember that. I will. Honest. He wiped at her eyes again. I got a little upset, but I shouldn't have taken it out on the rope. I'm sorry. I won't do it again. See, that you don't. His dark eyes narrowed as if. Remember, accidents are messy. Very messy. Thanks for being so nice. Everybody slips up once more. That's exactly what I did. 
I didn't mean you. He ran around and his lean face took on a faint and dangerous cast. I'm not nice. Not ever. She was a tip of dot, but dated by the oh. He wagged a finger at her no don't speed. She put a hand over it. Never again, I promise. He nodded, walking elegantly into his squad car and drove toward town. Jenny sat quietly for a minute, getting herself back together. Then she started the car and went home, making up an apology for her father about his gloves without telling him the real reason she'd come home without them. He said he'd get a new pair the next day himself. No problem. Jenny cried herself to sleep in a miserable cocoon of shattered dreams. As luck would have it, Harley Fowler, Side Park's foreman, came by in one of the ranch pickup trucks the very next morning and pulled up the back door when he saw Janie walk out dressed for riding and wearing a broad-brimmed hat. Harley's boss, sighed, did business with Fred Brewster, and Harley was a frequent visitor to the ranch. He and Janie were friendly. They teased and played like two kids when they were together. I've been looking for you, Harley said with a grin as he paused just in front of him. The cattleman's ball is Saturday night, and I want to go, but I don't have a date. I know it's late to be asking, but how about you go with me? Unless you've got a date, or you're going with your dad. He added, I haven't got a date, and Dad's away on business and has to miss the ball this year. But I do have a pretty new dress that I'm dying to wear. I'd love to go with you, Harley. Really? His lean face lit up. He knew Janie was sweet only of heart, but it was rumored that he was avoiding her like measles these days. Harley wasn't in love with Janie, but he genuinely liked her. Really? Janie replied, what time will you pick me up? About 6.30, he said. Doesn't start until 7, but I like to be on time. That makes two of us. I'll be ready. Thanks, Harley. Thank you, he said. See you Saturday. He was off in a cloud of dust, waving his hand out the window as he pulled out of the yard. Janie sighed with relief. She wanted nothing more in the world than go to that dance and show Leo Hart how wrong he was about her chasing him. Harley was young and nice looking. She liked him. She would go and have a good time. Leah would be able to see for himself that he was off the endangered list, and he could make a safe bet that Janie would never go near him again without a weapon. As she considered it, she smiled coldly. Revenge was petty, but after the hurt she endured at Leo's hands, she felt entitled to a little of it. He was never going to forget this party. Never, as long as he lived. End of chapter 2